0: You've been searching, and you've finally come to the right place. So, here it is. The single most important idea that's missing from the human understanding of the world. Perhaps the key to progressing as a species and living a more peaceful, benevolent existence closer to truth. Are you ready? I don't think you are. This idea changes everything. I think, and I've seen, that most people aren't ready for it. How about you? Well, let's find out. This most important idea deals with our understanding of selfhood. Namely, it holds that our understanding of selfhood is dead wrong, and always has been. It makes sense that it's wrong, because all appearances indicate that selfhood is obvious. I have a self that experiences my life and chooses my words and actions, and you have a different self that experiences your life and chooses your words and actions. Simple. The two are 100% separate and unrelated, obviously, because I can't hear your thoughts or feel your feelings, and I can't decide to raise your arm. I may have a healthy level of goodwill towards you in that I don't want you to suffer needlessly, but at the end of the day, the struggles and pain you feel in your life are your problem, and the struggles I might face are my problem. My question today is, what if that simple, obvious picture were wrong? What if the exact same self were experiencing both of our lives— That is, if we were sitting in the same room, rather than two different selves occupying that room separately, there were just one self that was experiencing the room from two different perspectives simultaneously. Would that even make sense? I'll argue that it makes perfect sense, and that our best understanding of consciousness points to this conclusion. Neuroscience has discovered that human consciousness arises from information processing happening in the cerebral cortex, the thin outer layer of the brain that has roughly 300 trillion neural connections. While, with a system so astronomically complex, we don't know exactly how consciousness is called into being, we basically do know that it is a direct result of this unimaginable swarm of information processing. Consciousness, then, is not supernatural. It's inherent to and latent in nature. If information is processed in the exact way that leads to the feeling of any specific conscious sensation, then no matter where you process that information and how many times you replicate it, that conscious experience will arise identically each time. For example, if it were possible to record the exact chemical and electrical changes that happen across your 300 trillion cortical neural connections for the next 5 minutes, and then precisely repeat that information processing in another brain grown in a vat on Mars in 500 years, that brain would experience the exact series of sensations that make up the next 5 minutes of your life, including feeling like you. This means that the self that experiences your life is not inherently yours, it's just one tiny part of the consciousness inherent in nature that occurs in response to the information your brain processes. A finer point is that consciousness doesn't necessarily reflect what's true about the world, it just reflects exactly what the information being processed represents. You can think of a field of conscious potential that exists everywhere in space as one of the fundamental aspects of the universe. When some information is processed in such a way that leads to the existence of a conscious sensation localized somewhere in that field, then there has to be someone there to experience that sensation. It turns out that someone is always the same, just a subset of the whole field of conscious potential that exists everywhere and always. Fundamentally, you are not you, this human with a name and a personality and a life story. These things are just details relating to the lens through which you look out on the world. The real you is the one that experiences all of that stuff. The fundamental consciousness in the universe awakened through information processing by your brain. Why this should be the case is discussed in detail in episode 2 of this podcast. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that this idea is a major theme of mine. I'm repeating it because what I'm saying is a tough sell, but I sincerely believe that it's true, and if it is true, it really does change everything. It's not easy to imagine when you're so accustomed to the traditional viewpoint, but understanding it really comes down to taking seriously the question, where does my consciousness come from, and taking seriously the answer given by neuroscience. It comes from information processing in your ludicrously complicated brain, no matter where that brain happens to be in the universe. So the key idea our civilization is missing is that our fundamental identities are one and the same, that of the consciousness inherent to the universe. The one who experiences my life is also the one who experiences your life. There's just no way for either of us to perceive that this is the case. From within my life, I feel singular, but in reality, we're all just leaves on this great world tree. This idea has made me a more generous, compassionate person, and I believe that if everyone understood it, we would live in a happier, more peaceful, more equitable world. It requires us to reframe our understanding of the world. It doesn't make morality easy, but it is clarifying. Your pain is my pain, and there's no way around it. If we're both walking in the rain, and I have an umbrella, but you don't, how foolish it would be for me not to share my umbrella, even if I get slightly more wet through doing so. Even though my little region of consciousness isn't affected if you're wet and cold, I can know that the one greater consciousness we both share would be happier if you weren't wet and cold. I mean, we all already think like this, but I find that this viewpoint helps short-circuit the instinctive self-interest we all have deep down by making altruism seem like not some saintly activity, but basic common sense. If I really understand that your experiencer is the same as mine, it's crystal clear that I don't gain anything by taking advantage of you. In fact, if I do something evil like holding you up at gunpoint, I can see that I'm actually at a net negative of happiness because the trauma you experience from going through such a violent act outweighs the temporary benefit I get from having whatever money you happen to be carrying around. Let me illustrate further. Picture a factory farm milking room. There are 200 cows caged in rows and one human worker. Normally, we see the scene as containing one morally relevant human consciousness surveying a room full of semi-sentient, morally irrelevant individual cows. Do they feel cramped? Does the milking machine pinch or ache? It's certainly easier to presume that no, they don't experience any of those things. And anyway, it's no matter because they aren't human and don't have the capacity to understand why this is happening or understand that maybe it's all not very fair. Well, that's a comforting delusion to hold, but it's wrong, dead wrong. Instead of picturing it in the convenient, lazy way, picture it in the truer way that I'm putting forward. This is not a room of 201 disconnected, separate consciousnesses, with one supreme above all the others. It's a room with one diffuse cloud of individual points of the same consciousness, a smeared-out field of experience. The overarching sensation of the consciousness field in that room is discomfort, And the mood of consciousness in that room is agonizing. And if consciousness had a choice, I'm sure it would choose to just switch off that corner of itself. But consciousness, the big C consciousness that exists everywhere in time and space, doesn't get to choose. It has to experience whatever circumstances arise, even if they're tortuous, nonsensical, cruel. Maybe you know someone whose life is miserable. Someone you wouldn't trade places with for a million dollars in a million years. For me, I picture a hoarder I once knew, someone living in a stinky apartment clotted with rotting debris stacked to the ceiling and jammed in every corner. The uncomfortable realization hits, I am living that person's life, whether I like it or not. Circumstances dictate that that person is psychologically trapped in that place, floundering with no way out. Seeing that I'm there with them somehow gives me a fuller understanding of their dignity, and of how impossible it can be to make it through the world comfortably and easily. I mean, there are always reasons why we end up where we happen to end up, and many of those reasons are outside of our control. Then again, maybe that person has learned to love the world they've found themselves in. We all do seem to find our new normal in any given situation, given enough time. In any case, rather than wince and retreat when I see someone like that, I now almost by default see them more fully as a person, a human I can empathize deeply with even though I don't know them at all. Seeing that someone has to actually live that life and regretfully to acknowledge that that someone is me gives me a fuller depth of compassion and respect for their circumstance. What a world we live in. This doesn't always have to be a disturbing worldview. It can be a great deal of fun and a source of amazed gratitude. I walk past a squirrel perched on a tree branch. I am in that squirrel and that squirrel is in me. I get to experience the feeling of virtuosic branch gymnastics leaping from tree to tree. I get to know the coziness of curling up in my nest on a stormy night, even the fear and rush of fleeing from a hunting cat, even the heart-pounding final moments and the sting of talons being lifted off the ground and carried to my final end by an owl. This worldview gives me an appreciation for the fullness of life, the stark, gritty realness of what it means to live on this planet and all the forms that takes. It gives me a sense of the unity that defines the universe, And overwhelming wonder when thinking about consciousness stretching through the cosmos, waking up on planets that we don't even know exist. It lifts me out of the dull, tired, naively self-centered old worldview that humans take for granted into a harrowing, wiser, more compassionate and more understanding view of my place, of all of our places in the world. It makes all our posturing and self-centered striving look so bitterly foolish, so utterly and comprehensively missing the point. It makes my own human tendencies for self-interest more apparent, and sadly, not much easier to overcome. I've become a vegetarian through pondering these thoughts, but not a vegan. I've volunteered more of my time and money helping others, but honestly, not by that much. It's extremely hard to integrate these new ideas and really take them to heart, really apply them to how you approach the world. But I encourage you to try, because doing so has enriched my life greatly, and made me more proud of who I am and more grateful to be alive more grateful that this crazy, miraculous, harsh, lovable, mystifying, limitless universe exists. So, what do you think? Were you ready for this idea? Am I a crackpot? Let me know at ytidealist at gmail.com. Thanks!